0: morning Dawn, how are you doing? Good, morning. Lovely good thank you. <laughs> Very good to see you. We were just saying that the last time we saw each other was at the Digital City Festival Awards <sighs> back in March. I think that was the last time I saw anyone in a professional yeah. setting pre-lockdown. It was the last time I left the house. <laughs> oh my goodness, how are you doing? How are you coping with it all?
1: Yeah good, I've got two young children so I'm certainly not getting bored. We're doing lots of stuff at home but It is what it is, isn't it? I think people have got into the rhythm of it and um, it's just a different way of working now.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds like you're definitely making the most of a a bad situation. So you got involved with Nevo pretty much towards our beginning. I mean, at the very early stages of our company, but recently we've been involved in a few panels together, uh, notably the Robert Walters FinTech panels. So we've met a few times at a few technology events. I watched your video the other week and I thought you'd be a great person to speak to actually because you were talking about the roadmap that some companies will be talking about at the moment. Could you walk us through what your observations were and what you were talking about in that video because it was brilliant. <laughs> Thanks and
1: um, I guess it's on the back of you know since lockdown started softening lots of people have been speaking to me about what do I think that means for business is it going to be back to business as usual and for me there are there are it's it's a critical crossroads for people right now and there will be people that are charging ahead still with those investments and there are people that are still focusing on um you know keeping the lights on and what that means and how to do cash conservation and I don't think it's one or the other I think it's about um I, I always talk about a racing analogy and um, when you're going into a corner on a racetrack, actually you absolutely have to brake to get into that apex and brake to get into that corner. But once you're around the corner, you need to accelerate to get out, otherwise you're going to crash into the barrier. And I think we're right there on that apex right now. <clears throat> and some people are probably still braking a lot more and that's going to make it much more difficult to get out of the other side. In some cases, right now is the time to be accelerating. You just need to pick what you're accelerating on. But if we look at a post-COVID lockdown, you know, getting back to normal, it's going to be those companies that are able to be agile and, um, you know, make those quick decisions. Um, You know, there will be areas of that technology roadmap that they'll need to cut and there'll be areas that actually you need to push harder on even Mm -hmm. faster. Mm -hmm. And so... It's about really looking at where you are on that recovery and what you need to do for your customers and which parts of the roadmap you can park um, i talked about having a split roadmap where actually you look at a roadmap that's about right now and what you need in recovery what's going to keep the lights on and then you look at your roadmap that's going to achieve your revenue increment in year two and year three and you can't neglect that you might approach it in a different way But if you neglect that, you're neglecting your growth path forward.
0: Yeah. And I guess over the last two months, have you seen any particular trends um, where companies have been embracing more of a remote working policy or they've really been investing in technologies to help them achieve that? Or do you think it is business as usual?
1: I think it depends on the sector. Um, So a lot of people's challenges over the last few months have been with the workforce and actually getting the workforce remotely enabled. Um, So not everyone's always worked from home. And if we have worked from home, it's been one day and lots of, oh, I'll do that when I get to the office type comments, whereas now it's Mm -hmm. a completely distributed workforce and that's a completely different way of working. I guess what's interesting to me is there's been a small proportion of the technology industry who have really been focused on um, customer solutions um, it's very much being focused around the employee and how we keep the business working in the old model but with new technologies. I think the next phase is about okay let's not keep the business working in the old model with new technologies but what is the new model going forward? What are those changed customer expectations? how what is the new normal because you know it's going to be two three years worth of impact now we can't keep crunching it through an old model. So I think what I've started to see that's quite interesting is people embracing, I guess, innovations around two areas. One is around cost efficiencies and operations, so automaton processes. Um, So automation processes, um, things like AI, ML, CV, um, trying to get everything in so it's not a manual process and whether that be paper-based processes or whether it be people processes whether it be self-service even so actually much more encouraging um the end users to take some self-service elements on that which i think we've all craved a bit because we've all felt a bit helpless during lockdown so actually being able to do things ourselves um and then the other side of that being um the actual ones that are going to enable revenue growth so I've seen some people taking technology decisions and evaluating decisions saying our old business model isn't going to work the way it is anymore and you know I've had conversations with people that are saying 80% of my revenue doesn't doesn't exist in a post-COVID world so how am I going to reshape that what does that look like and so I guess I'm seeing it on both sides of so the cost efficiencies and processes and then the enabling um, new revenue models and their different types of technology investment often use different technologies so on the new revenue models we're talking about real-time payments we're talking about digital platforms about customer experience and um, you know really pivoting on those operational models and therefore the technology that you need to support them Um, And then, as I mentioned, on the cost efficiency side, it's often automation, AI, ML, RPA. Yeah,
0: brilliant. And you talked there about customer expectations and customer experience, which I think are two very valid points. And I think you're spot on. The first month of lockdown was how do we all work remotely? But you're right. There is a changing climate now, which is how do we best serve our customers? Mm -hmm. What sort of advice would you have for companies who are really looking at solutions or looking at ways to improve that, that customer experience, or maybe they're at the very early stages of planning, what they want that to look like, what, what, what advice would you give?
1: So I read a really interesting document the other day from Forrester, which spoke about not just recognising where you are on the recovery. So we see the government graphs all the time with the peaks and the ebbs and we'd overlaid a business trajectory and a customer trajectory on it. So it's just like in that beginning stage, everyone's just focused about keeping the lights on, let's get things going, Mm -hmm. let's make sure nothing breaks. And then you have the adjustment period where actually it's probably where we've been in terms of tweaking things optimizing things adding iteratively new elements and then actually the recovery phase is what's the rest of the world going to look like Mm. and i think Mm. it's important to look at that from a customer perspective because your customer may have changed massively during lockdown so what you thought was okay because no one ever complained about it i don't need to fix it because actually 80 percent of my customer base think it's fine Mm. may no longer be acceptable um, you know, I've, I've been looking at some of the insurance and some of the pension side of things and a number in automated. And I don't think people are going to buy or engage the way that they did before. We've had to engage mm-hmm. with services in such a different way. And, um, you know, even from the very simple going into a branch or needing to go into a branch to sign for something, that's not going to happen anymore mm-hmm. because it feels superfluous. Like why do I physically need to be there in person? And there will be, I know I've struggled with having such a, a huge number of applications that I've had to deal with. And so my frustration as a customer is make it all go into my ecosystem. I, I really need all of this. So I've started looking at things I never would have looked at before in terms of integrating my own personal application to my own personal passwords. So I think it's important that the technology roadmap that companies had To get there might absolutely still be your North Star metric. You still need to focus on getting there, but you need to look at how your customer has changed their expectations, their ways of working and what they utilize. Um, so telehealth for instance I was speaking about the other day the technology has been there for a really long time but actually people have been really resistant to use it because it's felt quite funny talking to a doctor on um, mm-hmm. webcams we've lost that inhibition as society now um, so actually the technology was there we can now use it because the social the psychological aspect of well I don't really want to use that um, the same in a lot of smart cities and I think we'll have the same in payments as well a lot of real-time payments um, you know we're seeing QR codes we're seeing non-terminal non um, based payment stuff coming out where people are taking their own devices um, I think we're all more psychologically adept to trying new things now.
0: Yeah brilliant that's gonna be my next question actually which technologies do you think will outlast outlive sorry just the COVID period because I appreciate there are some technologies that probably are here just for the next few months as a very temporary measure but which technologies do you think will will outlive this
1: this lockdown period? So so I'm not sure any technologies are going to die out they might they might change and pivot and it might change how we use them so um, clearly people are using and various well known video conferencing tools at the moment to speak to their teams. Now, as we start to get back together, we might not be on them for eight hours a day, um, but the whole idea of being able to have a collaborative whiteboard between you and speak and look face to face. I think we'll have much less telephone calls because we've realized how important it is to see somebody's face and as i mentioned i think mm-hmm. that will open up for telehealth it will open up a lot more for education so although we might use it in a different way because it's not in the crisis situation mm-hmm. i think the technology will still be there um i think ai and um, so artificial intelligence machine learning computer vision they've been here for a while it's been bubbling people have wanted to Um, look at it and evaluate it and everyone's looking for data scientists but it has really hit its peak over the last couple of years Mm. I think what we've seen in the COVID crisis is its ability to have massive value without massive intrusion Um, some people always look at the you know the far end of the AI spectrum where it's all about robots and taking over and you know people not being in control anymore But I think it's really, because of necessity, brought it to the fore is this is the power of what we can do. So I think we're going to start to see a lot more integration of artificial intelligence and algorithms in things. Um, I think security, everyone always does lip service to security. but just seeing the slight glitches if you cut a corner in security and the massive impact that can have, you know there 's been lots of uh, news headlines around systems with security and hacking and you know video bombing mm. and stuff like that and um, I think security by design will um will just become a standard norm just like testing is now it will you know it will not be an optional extra payment it will just be that 's what we need to do um there, there are, there are lots of implementations of technology that I see now, which I think have been amazing. Um, and although I think, as you say, some of the implementations we won't need post crisis, and the crisis might be another two years. Um, you know, it's not. We're not talking about the next couple of months. But I think looking at how those technologies have been deployed, and then finding other areas for them, is going to be what's really interesting. Um, I've seen some really cool AR stuff lately. Um, where people haven't been able to travel. So actually they're being able to travel from the benefit of their own room, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll all be able to get on a plane and travel soon. Um, But actually using that AR to say, you know what, I'm going to buy a new car. I'm not going to go to the showroom. Give me the AR so I can actually be in it and see if I like this model. And maybe through that, I can test drive 10 cars in one night before I purchase my car. Um, you know, being able to stand in my room, and um actually repaint my kitchen five times with an ar headset on before i decide what color to do i think we'll start to see new use cases like that um, just because of how they've been used in the crisis
0: yeah brilliant so you talked a bit about automation there and obviously we've talked about customer experience do you think the two are at loggerheads? do you think it is possible to embrace automation without sacrificing too much of the customer experience or the the human touch so to speak Do you think there is a balance yeah. between the two that most companies should be striving
1: towards no there absolutely is i always talk about a human machine partnership um, and i think that's really important so i don't actually see automation being at one end and customer experience being at the other Mm. and actually high Mm. levels of automation can increase customer experience. Um, I know I've been trying to do some really simple things during lockdown and it has really frustrated me having to wait on the phone for 20 minutes to speak to somebody when what I wanted to do was actually pretty simple and Mm. it probably could have been Mm. done by a bot or um, you know automated through. I think what's important in automation is you you optimize that human machine partnership so you look at it from an organizational perspective and you say in this what are the possible automation points that i can do so how can i optimize this let's look at all of my processes let's look at all of my operational model which parts of this are possible to automate and then out of those because a number of those will be customer touch points but absolutely not all of them a lot of the automation benefits that i've seen have been background and you know back end so out of all of those that are possible which ones have customer touch points and which ones of those are important because there'll always be a point that you'll want to talk to somebody um, and an extreme example being funerals I can't ever imagine although it's absolutely 100% possible to automate funeral arrangements I can't ever imagine as a human being wanting to do that and that's because I would crave at that point some human interaction so just because it can be automated doesn't mean you should because there will be points where actually your customer experience your customer expectations and that human machine partnership says you need a person here Um, But actually, in a lot of cases, it could be, if I were able to do this five times faster, how much would that increase the customer experience? And nine times out of 10, it's massively. What you will find in it, though, is that um the more you automate the you will get some nervousness if it's visible to the customer that you're automating you will get some nervousness from the customer because we start to ask ourselves questions because we're humans (laughs) you know is it safe is it secure what if it makes a mistake what if its computer says no and you know what if i don't write exactly the right word and it doesn't understand it um, and that psychological gap is one that is important to cross um, when it's in the customer's um, visual point. And so it's about making more reassurances around security. It's about checkpointing. It's about being honest. It's about sometimes running things in parallel just to check that you are sure on it too. And, but I think it's going to be huge because automation is one of the things that's going to make us resilient as a society. You know, if there had been more of that, maybe we wouldn't have struggled in, in the way that we have during this period. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're, you know, replacing people with machines because you need people to run those bots. You need people to run those processes. Um, it's just giving people more rewarding ways of working as opposed to the kind of monotonous same old and where you actually start to introduce human mistakes in it. Because the more the work is mundane, the more likely you are to have mistakes.
0: Dawn, you've been brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, I really enjoyed our chat as always. Thank you so much for your involvement and look forward to catching up with you very soon.
1: Yeah, hopefully see you soon in person before another year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All the best. Thank you so much, Dawn. No worries. See you later. Bye.